Awesome, awesome, awesome. Man, look at all of you. Look at all of you. You look, you know, I know a lot of you really worked hard. You really put a lot of energy and effort into choosing your Easter outfit. And so I just want to say you are a handsome, pretty, good-looking church. Come on, give yourselves a hand. You just, you look fantastic this morning. I have proof that miracles are still happening because this shirt is one size smaller than last year's Easter shirt. Come on, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Took a lot of spandex to make that happen, but it, it is one <laughs> Man, we're, we're so thrilled you're here. Hey, I want to ask 100% of you to do something that we only do on Easter. It's a unique opportunity for us because it's the one weekend that we know all y'all are going to show up. And um, it's a great opportunity for us to capture information from, from you. So would you do me a favor, 100% of you, grab this connection card. Even if it's your first time with us today, you can still help us uh, gather some information that just helps us make wise choices, good leadership decisions as our church grows and matures. This is a one-time only connection card that on the back says annual Easter survey. And I'd love it if you would draw your attention right to that because as we continue to grow as a church, we want to make sure that we're creating the right opportunities, the best opportunities for people to come to church and bring their families, bring their kids, bring your friends, uh, whoever's coming with you. And so it would really help us out as we plan for the future if you would check one of these boxes here and let us know what service time works best for you, your preferred service time on a, on a Sunday, okay? Uh, 8.30, 9.30, 10.30, I'm sorry, 839, 930, 10, 10.30, or 11. Uh, as, as our church grows, we may even need to look at adding three services like we have today permanently. Dream Team, don't freak out. We wouldn't do that unless we could do it and be healthy. Uh, but, but it would really just, it would help us know if we're landing at the right times, if we need to make any adjustments moving forward. And then the next section down there, so you can go ahead and check that box right now. Just go ahead and do it now. The very next section is, it says this, I would like to know what the Bible says uh, about, dot, 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 and we give you three, three blanks. And, and um, another way to say it is this, what, what messages could we teach on a Sunday that would help you? And I know some of you are thinking like, well, you just need to go read your Bible and hear from the Lord, dude, and we do. But uh, one of the things we do from time to time is we, we and Jesus did this, Jesus would, would build his responses sometimes to the questions that people were asking. And so uh, we wanna use your responses here, we'll group those into categories, and this fall, in September, we're going to build a whole series uh, around the things that you're saying, like, hey, I need some help. I need to understand what the Bible says about this. So it might be something going on in your family, uh, a question maybe that you've always had and uh, nobody's ever really answered it, or, or something that's going on in culture, society right now. And we're going to go to the scripture, we're going to go to God's word, and find out what the Bible teaches about those, about those topics. So help us out. Let us know what's, what's on your heart that you'd like to hear about. The next section just gives you an opportunity to kind of think about uh, is there a next step in my spiritual journey of following Jesus uh, that, that I need to take? And maybe you're not a follower of Jesus yet. That's, that's all right. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the service. But if you are a follower, is there a, is there a step that comes next? One that would be a great option for you if you haven't done it yet would be to, to go public in your faith in water baptism. And I just want to tell you about it now so you can make plans. That happens here in both services. So today we have three services because it's Easter and we want to create space for everybody. But normally we have two services at 8, 30, and 10. And on May 7th, we will have baptism, water baptism in both 
of those services available to you. We do everything we can to make it as easy as you on, pos- on you as possible. We, we give you a, a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and, and we, we buy out like all of the local retailers. We buy every towel they have and, um, and we, put, we put hair dryers in the ladies' restroom. Come on. And, um, and we don't put them in the men's restroom because, come on, bro, cut that mess. All right, so <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm kidding. We're, I'm, we're letting my son grow out his hair, but you don't want me to grow this out. It just goes, looks like cotton candy on top of my head. So, uh, so then this last section, A, B, C, D, we'll come back to that at the end of the service. Flip it over to the other side. If, if you already call True Life home, but any of your information has changed, let us know. If you're a first-time guest, we'd love to know. Uh, we promise not to abuse your personal information. And then uh, probably the most important thing on here is the next section, which says there's something going on in my life that I'd like the prayer team to pray for. And if there's anything going on in your life that we could come alongside and uh, agree with you in prayer about, uh, let us know. Um, and you can mark it as for the general prayer team, or if it's something really personal, you can mark it confidential, and that only goes to me and our paid staff. And, uh, and I just want you to know these get prayed for every day. Um, every, every need, every request that ever gets filled out here uh, gets prayed for every single day. And um, so we would just love it if you would hook us up with that information. You can drop these in the two black receptacles out in the lobby, or if you're watching online, there is a digital version available to you that's being posted on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Church Online, however you're watching today, and, um, and you're welcome to, to, to fill that out as well. All right, so let's talk about Resurrection Sunday. Let's talk about Easter. That's why we're all here, amen? Uh, this goes faster if you talk back to me. All right, so come on, that's why we're all here, amen? Amen. All right. So, uh, so I, I'm going to try to keep it really short for you this morning as we talk about the resurrection. And um, a, lot, a lot of pastors, a lot of churches, they, there's a lot of pressure around this weekend. Like it kind of feels like the Super Bowl of church. Um, sorry to bring up the Super Bowl Eagles fans. I apologize. I know you're, some of you are still grieving. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I was born and raised in Kansas City, and so I'm happy to bring it up as often as you'll let me. Um, <laughs> World Series, that's a sore topic too. Let me think, what else can we, college football championship. This, this feels like, it's the biggest Sunday, it oftentimes it feels like the biggest Sunday of the year. And, and um, I was reading the resurrection account in the Bible, preparing for this weekend, and I kept, I found myself, I kept thinking like, how, like, how do you preach something like the resurrection? It pretty much preaches itself. Like you just read what's in the scripture, that's true of a lot of scripture, it, it pretty much preaches itself. And so I was reading some commentaries, I was reading some what some Bible scholars have to say about it. I came across one that I thought was pretty fascinating, and they said, you know, the, the resurrection of Jesus was a, a spectacle, a miracle, but it also was a message. It communicated something to the disciples, and it's still communicating those things to us today. And to the disciples, it, it would have been something that was completely unexplainable. Come on, y'all. Like, this doesn't, this is a, this is a miracle. This is, this is the power of God. This, this flies in the face of, of anything that you could ever research or, 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 or come up with in a lab. Like, it just, it's just not explainable. In fact, uh, there, there was a group of religious leaders who did not believe in the resurrection. And when they heard about Jesus not being in the grave, they immediately went into paying off guards to say, hey, his follow- say that his followers stole him out of the grave. So like conspiracy theory, right out of the gate, early Christianity, because they're paying off the guards to say, just say that the followers came and stole him out of the grave. You know, this doesn't add up. Even, let me just give you one piece of evidence 
around this. If you just look at the stone that the Bible says was rolled in front of the tomb of Jesus, it would have been about eight foot in diameter. That's pretty big. Uh, made of solid granite. It would have weighed between eight and 10,000 pounds. Come on, how many of you know like Mary and, and Martha and the other Mary, they ain't out there like, ready, on three, one, two, three. Mm-mm. Not happening. It's an unexplainable event, amen? It's not only unexplainable, it's also unrepeatable. Let me tell you something. Nobody has sense, nor will they ever give their life for you. Go to the grave claiming they are deity. Three days later, come up out of the grave alive. Ascend to the throne of heaven to intercede on your behalf. It's never happened before in human history. It's not going to happen again. It's unrepeatable. Unexplainable, unrepeatable, and yes, this is a word. I looked it up because I'm a little bit of a jerk when it comes to grammar. It is unerasable. Whether we live in a season where Christianity is loved by society and celebrated, or when we live in a season of persecution, there is nothing that will ever be able to drown out, stamp out, stomp out the message of the resurrection of Jesus. For as long as there is humanity, we'll be having Easter. Can I hear an amen this morning? You're not going to get rid of it. And despite all of that, There's one thing that it is as well. It's still believable by faith. It is not just a message. It is not just a statement. It is literally the foundation that our faith is built on. And I know you've probably heard apologists say this before, but you can go search the tombs of every religious leader who's ever lived. And the bodies and the remains will still be there but there is one empty tomb today. Come on, y'all. There is one empty tomb today. And so I was thinking about that. It it is a a miracle. It is a spectacle. It is a message to the disciples that continues to be a message to us. But then I thought, as I was reading through the scriptural accounts of this, it's even more than that. And I want to read one of the accounts in the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell you in the, in the Bible the, the story of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, each with some unique detail. And, and so I want to give you John's account today because I think it gives us some detail that's important, but also because it's the funniest of them all. And um, I don't know if you all know this, the Bible's funny. If you don't laugh when you read the Bible, you are doing it wrong. I'm going to try to prove it to you, okay? Watch. Here we go. So John chapter 20, verse 1, this is the the resurrection story in the book of John. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple. Do any of you know who the other disciple is? Yeah, it's John. (laughs) So this is how he writes about himself. And John says of himself without saying his name, the one that Jesus loved. It's me. I'm John. I'm his favorite. And I don't know what's funnier that he does it or that the Holy Spirit lets it stay in the scriptures. 
Like, he's just like, whatever, John, we'll let you have this one. And so, Mary Magdalene says, they, they, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know, we don't know where they put him. And so, Peter and John, right, they start out for the tomb, they were both running, but the other disciple. outran Peter and reached the tomb. I'm just, I'm just like trying to picture John. You know what? Side note, we're, I know we're talking about the resurrection of the Messiah, but just in case anybody's wondering, fastest disciple? Me. Competitive much? I just think that's hilarious. He stooped down and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrived. So he makes sure to point out, like, finally. <laughs> he also noticed the linen wrappings were lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first. <laughs> he just keeps going. <laughs> also went in. And he saw and believed. Here it's fascinating. Here's what's fascinating to me about this. I mean, it is hilarious. But if you look across all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at the resurrection story, this is about as much detail as you get. A few paragraphs. And wouldn't you think, like, that's where the story ends? But it's not. In fact, there are several chapters. There is significantly more time, energy, and words dedicated to what happens after the resurrection than the attention given to the resurrection itself. Because after Jesus comes up out of the tomb, he starts making appearances and having conversations with people. And there's far more detail given to what Jesus does during that time than the resurrection itself. I, I'm not like uh, the most brilliant person. I'm not a scholar. But don't you think if there's more time given to that, we should probably pay attention to what that's all about. There's probably something in there for us. And so in all four Gospels you see this and you get multiple chapters on Jesus making these appearances and talking to his followers. And so I've come to the conclusion after studying this that yes, Easter is a miracle. The resurrection is a miracle. It is a spectacle. It is an incredible moment in history. It's unexplainable, unrepeatable, unerasable. It is a message for all of us to hear and believe, but it's more than that. I believe the resurrection of Jesus, what we celebrate today on Resurrection Sunday, is actually an invitation. It's an invitation. And I think who Jesus appears to and what he says and the order in which he appears actually reveals a great deal to us about the heart of our God. And so the very first recorded conversation, the very first recorded appearance between the resurrected Jesus and anyone is probably not who you think it would be. Like I was thinking like if I were Jesus, and can we all just take a minute and say thank God that's not the case. <laughs> but I was thinking like if I were Jesus, who would I appear to? Who would I want to go have a conversation with? Like probably tops on my list is mama. Like hey mom, I'm good. So okay. I know you had to watch me suffer. I know that was brutal and you're grieving. 
I want to go, I probably want to go make an appearance to mom. And all the moms said, yeah, except the ones who were mad at their kids this morning. And they're like, I'm not sure. Dressing them for Easter. Ah. Don't worry, we're going to make it easier on you. We have cake pops that they get to smear all over themselves on the way out today. It's going to be awesome. I'd, I'd maybe want to go see my mom. I, I, I might want to go see Pilate. You know, the guy that sentenced you to die on a cross. I might want to just go like appear at his house and be like, what's up, bro? <laughs> Remember how your wife was having dreams and visions about me, like not to mess with me? I'm back. <laughs> There's a group of religious leaders who, like I said, they, they start this conspiracy theory. They don't even believe in the resurrection of the dead. They don't even believe it's possible. So if I'm Jesus, like this is my sense of humor, I would want to go to appear to them and just be like, boo. <laughs> I'm alive. But Easter, he doesn't, he doesn't do any of that. Jesus has his own plan. How many are glad his plan's better than our plans? And so interesting who he appears to first. So interesting the order of story and I, t- I know I'm taking some risk by saying this on Easter because we're supposed to be trying to do everything we can to gather people and win people over. I just find it interesting that the first people to preach the resurrection of Jesus are two women. Put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. <laughs> and so uh, Mary is standing outside the tomb doing what? Why? Because she don't know where Jesus is. She just watched him brutally tortured and murdered for nothing. He was innocent. She loves him. And so she is standing there weeping, overcome with grief. And she's at the tomb and she's crying and she sees two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And I love this because I think this is the heart of God. They just say, hey, Mary, what's, what's up? Why are you crying? What's going on? It wasn't like a, it didn't have like a, a judgmental tone to it. It wasn't like a, what's your problem? Why are you crying? Give the program. It's Easter. I mean, they didn't call it Easter yet, but. What, dear woman, why, why are you crying? The angels ask her. And she says, because they took my Lord. And I, don't, I don't know where he is. So she's just overcome by grief. She's overwhelmed by the emotion, and she turns to leave and saw someone standing there. Another translation says, as she's standing there weeping, Jesus appears behind her. She saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. This is the first recorded interaction that Jesus has with anybody after the resurrection. And he goes to Mary who's weeping at the tomb, and she's so overwhelmed by grief, she doesn't even recognize that it's him. I wonder how many of us today are so overwhelmed by the hurt in our lives that even in the moments where Jesus has been trying to reach out to us and trying to encourage us, trying to bring hope and healing to our life, we're, we're so broken in our grief that we cannot even recognize our Savior. And if you read on, he says, he says, like, Mary. And all of a sudden, she realizes it's him. And she, she says, my Lord. And she falls at his feet, weeping, and worships him. 
But I believe Jesus communicates something to us here. He's saying, hey, listen, my resurrection is, is more than just this spectacle moment. And it is all of that. It's the foundation for our faith. It's, it's, it's incredible. But it's also an invitation, I believe, to the brokenhearted. Like the first person that Jesus has a conversation with is brokenhearted Mary Magdalene weeping over the empty tomb. So overcome by her grief that she doesn't even recognize him. I wonder today, Easter, April 9th, 2023, how many of us, if we were honest, our hearts are broken. You're carrying deep pain, maybe even trauma. I I don't know. I don't know your story. But you're you're battling significant sadness, maybe even depression. Can I just tell you this morning that Jesus reveals how important you are to all of us in this moment because the first interaction he has is with a brokenhearted person. And it still matters to him today. You see this narrative all throughout scripture like Psalm 34, 18, which says God is near to the brokenhearted. And if you are hurting today, if your heart has been broken, can I just tell you that the God of the universe is doing everything he can to get close to you because how you're dealing with life right now matters to him. It matters to him. So then we move on. He, he, he makes an invitation to the brokenhearted and then he, he makes another appearance. He, he shows up to visit the disciples, but one of the disciples is so broken up about what has happened that he's not even hanging out with him. This guy Thomas, he's kind of cashed it in. He's like, forget it. He's dead, it was all a waste. The other disciples are hanging out, Thomas isn't there. And Jesus appears to the disciples without Thomas. And so then they go tell Thomas, hey Thomas, we saw the Lord, we saw Jesus, he's alive. And Thomas says, I don't believe it. I'm not buying it. This isn't how this was supposed to go. And I got questions. And I'm not going to believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers in them and place my hand in the wound in his side. That's his deal. Thomas has lost his faith. He's, he's filled with doubt. I feel so bad for Thomas because, because of this one moment he is forever labeled what? Doubting Thomas. I hate, don't you hate that? Like, poor guy. Like, doesn't even get credit for being one of the 12 who launches the greatest movement in the history of humanity. No, no, no. You're just doubting Thomas. Like, we're not going to talk about anything else. You're just doubting. I think that's so unfair. <laughs> and I think we do it because it makes us feel better about our own doubt. Like, well, at least I'm not Thomas. At least I didn't doubt the, you know, the resurrection. Eight days later, the disciples are together again, and this time Thomas is with them. Important detail, because this is funny, the doors are locked. And suddenly, as before, Jesus is standing among them, which means, like, he, he passed through a wall or something. Which is why he has to say, peace be with you. Because they're all in there, doors locked, all of a sudden Jesus, and they're all like, "Ah!" he's like, guys, it's cool, it's me. I pass through walls now. It's awesome. Watch this. First words he says, he looks at at Thomas. Hey, Thomas, come on. 
Touch it. Come here, Thomas. Put your hand right here. Feel it. Put your finger here. Look at my hand. Touch my side. Don't be faithless any longer. What's he say? Believe, man. Believe. Here, it's me. I'm here. He appears to Mary. He says, hey, if you're brokenhearted, come on. He makes an invitation to us. And then he shows up to Thomas. I think so that for the rest of human history, we'd be able to say, you know what? Jesus is making an invitation to the doubter. And you might even be in church today because somebody bribed you into being here with a cake pop. (laughs) And you're not sure if you believe any of this. And can I just tell you, that's okay. God is not scared of, hurt by, offended by, or angry at our doubts. And I won't make anybody raise a hand because I I would never want to single you out in that kind of way. So I'll I'll just say it for all of us. I've been serving Jesus pretty much my whole life, and I've had moments of doubt. It's called being human. And Jesus is still saying to the doubter, it's all right. Come here. Touch that right there. Feel this right here. I love how he meets Thomas where he's at. The resurrection of Jesus is an invitation to the brokenhearted. It's also an invitation to the doubter. And then the next conversation is with a guy named Peter, Simon Peter. And so it says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, could you help me out with this new song I'm writing? Do you love me? (laughs) True story. That was Carlos' idea about 30 minutes before the first service this morning. And I was like, I'm, t- I'm doing it, bro. I'm doing it. So give Carlos a hand for his contribution to today's message. <laughs> hey, hey, Simon Peter, do you love me? You love me, man? And if you, know, if you know his story, right before the death of Jesus, right before the crucifixion, there's a conversation where Peter basically says to Jesus like, hey man, I'm gonna follow you no matter what. I love you no matter what. There is nothing that could ever happen that would derail my trust in you, my faith in you, you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, I hate to disappoint you, but actually before the sun comes up tomorrow, you're gonna deny that you even know me three times. And Peter's like, nuh-uh, no I won't. And sure enough, he does. He falls flat on his face. And so now this is the first conversation Jesus has with him. He says, hey, Peter, still, you love me? And Peter responds, you know I love you. Now, when you and I read that, we see the word love. But when John wrote this, he wrote it in the Greek language. And he makes some important distinctions that don't quite make their way into the English translations. So the Greek language is more descriptive than than English. And where we use the word love, the Greeks would have four different words. 
So there's a love called eros. That's where we get the English word erotic, uh, which connects to all the things that a lot of you just started thinking about when I said that word. Um, that's, it's also not just that. So like when you say, I love, well, I really love chocolate. That's eros. I really love coffee. That's eros. There's also a, a, a Greek word called storge. It's, um, it's the love between a, a, like a mother and a child. It's familial love, that bond, that connection. Then there's a phileo love, which is where we get the city right up the road, Philadelphia. It's, it's brotherly love. It's, it's close friendship. And then there's the best version of them all. It's agape, which is an unconditional love. It's the love Jesus has for us. It's like, a, hey, no matter what, I love you. And what's interesting about this is when Jesus has this conversation with Peter, he says, hey, Simon, son of John, do you agape? Do you unconditionally love me more than these? And when he responds, he says, yes, Lord, you know I phileo. I love you like a brother. We're close, we're tight. And Jesus is like, oh, I can work with that. All right, I'll still use you, feed, feed my lambs. Jesus told him, and then he asks him again, Simon, son of John, do you agape? Do you have unconditional love for me? And I think Peter, so overwhelmed by the shame of his disappointment, thinks I could never respond with agape because I've already proven that I can't do it. I messed up. And so again, he says, you know I phileo, I brotherly love you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, okay, it's cool. Then, then take care of my sheep. But the third time Jesus asks, Jesus changes the word. He says, Simon, son of John, do you phileo? Do you brotherly love me? Are we good? We're tight? And the Bible says that that Peter's heart was broken. He was hurt by it, and he responds, yes, you know, I phileo. I love, I love. It's like Peter was so overwhelmed by the disappointment of his failure that he couldn't bring himself to say, God, I'm agape, I'm good, I'm agape. And what I love about Jesus is he doesn't keep trying to get Peter to change his word. He just says, okay, Peter, I'll come meet you where you're at. Let's start with brotherly, we'll start there. Theophileo. And I think Peter was hurt because he couldn't bring himself to say agape. To the one who was loving him with agape, he couldn't bring himself to say it back because he's so scared that he's going to fail again. He's so worried about being disappointed again. And I think the resurrection of Jesus is an invitation to the brokenhearted, to the doubter, but also to the disappointed. In Peter's case, he's disappointed with himself. Here's how you know it. Here's the simplest definition of disappointment. It is the gap between expectation and reality. Peter's expectation was, I'll follow Jesus to the ends of the earth. Reality is, when he got tested, he didn't do it. And I think he's crushed by the gap. And I wonder how many of us today are feeling crushed by the gap between where we thought life would be, where we thought our marriage would be. Or maybe you're still single and you thought you'd have a family at this point. 
or maybe you thought your career would be further along or your education would be further along or your financial situation would be different. Maybe your parenting and the way it's going with your kids right now is very different from how you thought it would be and, and you're trying to learn how to manage the gap and the disappointment at times is crushing. And can I just say to you, Jesus is still saying, hey, I'll come meet you right there in that moment. With agape, I got you. Maybe you're even disappointed in yourself. Maybe you're even thinking today like, how could I ever have a relationship with God? How could I ever be valuable to him when I've probably disappointed him so much? And I think Jesus is setting an example for us here by, by making sure that one of the first conversations he has after the brokenhearted and after the doubter is to go to the one who's disappointed, who's ashamed of their own actions and say, hey, we're gonna be all right. I still love you. You love me back? It's kind of interesting that how that mirrors even the first and final words that we hear from God and that we hear from Jesus in the scriptures. If we go all the way back to the Genesis account, one of the very first interactions that happens right after the fall, right after Adam and Eve eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In that moment, it says their eyes were open, which literally means they lost their innocence. So instantly, Adam and Eve know the difference between good and evil, right and wrong, which God really never wanted us to have to deal with that. And they suddenly felt what? Shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So they did in that moment what humanity is still doing today. When we're disappointed, we try to cover it up. When we're ashamed and we've made a mistake, we try to cover it up. And in the cool evening breezes and the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking around in the garden. And so they did what a lot of us are doing today. They hid from the Lord among the trees. And then the Lord called to the man and he's calling to some of us today and he's saying, hey, Adam, where are you? Eve, where, where you at? And it's not that he doesn't know where you are. He knows. The reason he calls to us is because he wants us to know that he's looking and that he cares. And then if you go all the way to the end of your Bible, Revelation chapter three, verse 20, one of the final statements Jesus makes, he says, look, I'm standing at the door and I'm saying, hey, where are you? I'm looking for you. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and, and we'll sit down, we're gonna have a meal together as what? Friends. I believe the resurrection is an invitation to the brokenhearted. It's an invitation to the doubter. It's an invitation to the disappointed. It's an invitation to all of humanity to come into relationship with God. Which brings us to the final portion of your Easter survey. Would you grab these again? Grab these cards if you would. And I want to ask you just, if you can, don't, don't move around right now. Don't, don't leave. We're almost done. I know some of your dream team got to go get ready to do things, but everybody else, just hang tight if you can. At the bottom of the Easter survey, you see four letters, A, B, C, D. And here's what those represent for us today. 
And I'd like for you to check the box that corresponds with where you are. So letter A would mean I am already in a relationship with God. I've already had a moment where I put my faith in him where as the Bible says I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord and if you've already had that moment somewhere along your spiritual journey check box A some of you this morning though have not had that moment yet and there's something stirring in your heart saying I need to accept the invitation Jesus is, he's, he's knocking, saying like, hey, can we be in relationship? And if today you'd say, I'm ready to say yes to that, would you check B? Don't worry, I'm not gonna have you stand up. I'm not gonna do anything to embarrass you. Just, just check the box. Just say, hey, today I'm, I'm B. And just full disclosure, we've been praying for you a lot for this weekend. That you would check Box B. You guys who are watching online, the digital version of this is available for you as well. Letter C would be, I'm, I'm not ready to begin a relationship with Jesus, but I am considering it. I'm, like I'm thinking about it. I'm, just let me have some time. And that's fine. Just, just know we're going to be praying for you. And then the final one, letter D, and I just want to encourage you, just be honest. Just be honest about it if that's where you are. There's no judgment here. We just want to know. Letter D would be, I, I don't intend to be in a relationship with God. I'm not in one, and I, I don't intend to. And I want you to know, through the 11 years of this church, there are times where you have seen people who started out as a D, and later they became a C. In fact, I have a friend right now who we've known each other for a little over 11 years. And when we met, he was a D, and he's been a D most of the time that we've known each other. But over the last couple of years... He's here. And it's kind of funny to me because I think I know and he knows we're both headed here. And I'm like, can we just get on with it? We know where this is headed. <laughs> but you know, while I'm impatient, the Holy Spirit is not. God is not. And he just keeps saying, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. So check the, go ahead and do it right now if you haven't done it already. Check the box that corresponds for you. Before you leave today, drop these in the receptacles in the lobby. It'll just, it'll really help us. And I want to ask every person in the room now, if, you've, if you're done with this, to bow your heads and close your eyes. Please don't look around or we're almost done, I promise. And if you're here today and you, you check box B, said Easter, April 9th, 2023, today's the day I begin my relationship with Jesus. I want to help you with that. Here's what you need to do. You just need to start by praying, have a conversation with God, and confess Him as Lord of your life. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you some words. You can make them your own, and I want you just to tell the Lord today's the day. So if you check box B, just kind of repeat after me. Just say, Dear Jesus, today, Resurrection Sunday, I'm accepting your invitation 
I want to be in relationship with you. I believe you died on the cross, that you paid the penalty for sin for all of humanity, past, present, and future. And three days later, you rose from the dead. And today, I put my hope and my faith in you. Jesus, I believe you are Lord. And from this day on, I want my life to belong to you. And because of this moment, now I can look forward to eternity in heaven with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're still inviting brokenhearted people. You're still inviting doubters. And you're still inviting the disappointed. You're inviting all of us into relationship. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church family, can we celebrate today as heaven grows? Come on, heaven's getting bigger right now.